We're reading from Mark uh, chapter 14 and we're reading from verse 27 to 31, uh, which is the passage where Jesus predicts Peter's denial. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted empathetically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Good morning. My name is Linda and I am one of the ministers here. Uh, if I haven't met you already, I would love to do so. Um, so let's try that this morning. Uh, this week, as I heard about Matt and Lisa uh, having their little babies, uh, I was reminded of a chat that I had with a friend once who told me their story of having a second child. When she found out she was pregnant, she and her husband sat their four-year-old down and explained that there would be a new baby in the house. This little girl, this little four-year-old, didn't like this idea one bit. And she said, no thanks, we don't need another one of those. Have you ever had that conversation? <laughs> Hopefully not. Uh, but obviously this was going to happen despite this little girl's feelings or thoughts about it. So my friend and her husband were really intentional about including their daughter in uh, the preparation for this new baby. Uh, they took her to buy new clothes. Uh, they took her to buy things for the nursery. And they kept reminding her along the way that this was actually going to happen. They pointed out the signs, like the fact that Mummy's tummy was actually growing, uh, and not because she'd eaten too much food. They showed her ultrasound pictures, uh, lots of things like that to try and prepare their daughter uh, for the arrival. But when the baby came, this little girl was shocked. Uh, she thought that Mum and Dad had been tricking her, that they'd been joking for all these months, and she went around and she asked all of the family members that came to visit if they had any idea that this was actually happening. Apparently there was lots of tears uh, and questions around when this baby might also be leaving. <laughs> Even though she had been prepared for this day, that her parents had spent time showing her the signs that this was something that was going to happen, she didn't believe it was true. Now, don't worry, uh, this happened quite a few years ago. There have been siblings born into this family since, and it went much more smoothly. Uh, everybody is friends, and there is a lot of love. Uh, but I don't think it matters how old we are or what circumstance we're going through. Sometimes, we don't always see what's happening right in front of us. In our passage today, Jesus opens with a statement that really serves as a warning sign to his disciples. 
he tells them that they're going to fall away, that their loyalty is going to be tested. So the disciples have just finished the Last Supper. We're actually going to go back next week and look at that passage. But in the passage where we are today, it would be quite late at night, probably somewhere between 10 o'clock at night and midnight, uh, in the first watch of the night. The disciples will have had full bellies, and it's been a pretty heavy night so far. Jesus has, in a sense, recreated the idea of the Passover meal, something that had been very regimented and something that had a very specific rhythm to it. So the disciples have now left the upper room. They've sung a hymn together, uh, no doubt a psalm, and they've gone out to the Mount of Olives. The statement that we first hear today from Jesus must have been so shocking to the disciples. All of them, except Judas, of course, because Judas knew what he was doing. But the 11 disciples had no intention of falling away. So Jesus' statement that they would must have seemed ridiculous, incredulous, The Greek word for falling away in this case is where we get the idea of a stumbling block. But the Greek word gets its roots from the idea of a trap, like an animal trap. A trap that is triggered to ensnare the prey. Jesus is telling them that they are going to trip, become ensnared, and overwhelmed by the situation that's about to unfold. That they are going to fail the loyalty test. They're going to freak out, and they're going to scatter. But this idea of falling away is a passive idea, as it's written. It's not suggesting that the disciples will intentionally leave Jesus and each other, but rather that their weaknesses will be exposed and that they will mess up. I came across an article this week which outlined some wild predictions or statements, and I wanted to share three with you. In 1943, Thomas Watson, who was at the time the chairman of IBM Computers, said, I think there's a world market for maybe five computers. In 1962, a company head at Decker Recording Company said of the Beatles, we don't like their sound, and guitar music is on its way out, before rejecting them. And back in 1927, H.M. Warner, of the famous Warner Brothers, who make films, said, who wants to hear actors talk? I think these are pretty wild thoughts, don't you? Uh, But Jesus is not just sharing his opinion uh, with the disciples. He's not even judging them. He's recalling a prophecy that was given by Zechariah about 500 years prior. So chapter 13 of Zechariah from verse 7 says, Awake sword against my shepherd, 
against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. He goes on to say in the next couple of verses that two-thirds of the people in the whole land will be struck down and they will perish. And the other third will be left in the land where they will be put into the fire and they will be refined like silver and tested like gold. And once this is done, they will call my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. The loyalty of the disciples was being tested But unlike those people I just mentioned a minute ago, making statements or predictions based on their own thoughts or feelings, Jesus is making his claim with divine knowledge of the outcome. So now we've seen what event is going to cause this to happen. The shepherd will be struck. Jesus is referred to as the shepherd many times in the Bible. And we read in John's Gospel that Jesus refers to himself this way, calling himself the Good Shepherd. And the Good Shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. When the shepherd is struck, the sheep will scatter. When a shepherd is killed, sheep lose their point of reference or their rallying point. So they lose their sense of safety and direction. And often the response is chaos. They run around in every which direction they can find, searching desperately for a safe spot. Because if the shepherd, the mighty protector, can be killed, then surely the sheep are in danger of being next. Now, I'm not sure that sheep actually have this amount of cognitive functioning, (laughs) Uh, but they at least have instincts that help them sense that without a shepherd, they face danger. For the disciples, not all is lost. Jesus is telling them that once he has died and the disciples have tripped up and scattered, that he will rise again and gather with them once more in Galilee. Jesus' love and loyalty for the disciples is on display here. His warning to them is not to suggest that all is lost, but that there is hope for them despite their fear and their weakness when things get tough. Jesus will return to them. Now we have Peter enter the scene. Good old Peter, (laughs) who thinks that he knows more about himself than what Jesus could ever know. Does that sound familiar? It does to me. (laughs) Uh, Peter is adamant that he will not fall away no matter what anyone else does. He is capable of getting through these next few days unscathed with his integrity and his loyalty intact. Peter thought that his good intentions would get him through, 
despite Jesus telling him otherwise. And Peter missed the warning signs. A couple of examples of those signs uh, could be when Peter was called to trust Jesus on the water. Jesus calls Peter out and asks him to trust that he won't drown. But Peter gets scared. Even though he starts off well and intends to step out, he does, he steps out in faith, but then he wavers and he falls. Peter rebukes Jesus for talking about his own death. Peter thinks that Jesus is the Messiah. We know that. He says that. But Peter has ideas about what that Messiah looks like and how that Messiah acts. And when Jesus starts to talk about defeat and death, this doesn't fit with Peter's idea of the Messiah. And it seems to create some anxiety for him. So Peter's weakness is fear. It drove him to take things into his own hands and to rely on his own strength and his own abilities rather than trusting Jesus' power. And this formed a pattern of behaviour for Peter. This fear meant that when he was faced with the cross, when things got really serious and imminent, he fell. In the rest of our passage today, Peter proves that those warning signs are now alarm bells. He is arguing with Jesus, protesting back and forth. Jesus must be wrong because Peter knows better. And he hasn't been self-aware enough to see that he's allowed his weak and vulnerable spots to take over his thinking and his judgment. Peter probably thinks more highly of himself than of the other disciples because he believes that even though Jesus might be right about them, he's not right about Peter because Peter loves Jesus and would rather die with him than disown him. Now, Peter's actions haven't come from nowhere. They're not just out of the blue. There's been small pieces of this puzzle fitting together over Peter's life, exposing those weak spots and vulnerabilities. Imagine a chair sitting here on stage with me, a wooden timber chair. Um, I wouldn't be up on it like that brave child um, because I'm desperately afraid of heights. Um, but imagine this chair was sitting here with me today. It's unlikely that the first time this chair gets sat on, it breaks, isn't it? It's more plausible that the chair legs will weaken over time each time they hold weight. A small split in the timber might grow as each person comes and sits on it. And when that happens, the chair might first appear wobbly. It might be squeaky, or we might notice that it's starting to bow. When we see these things happening, we can reinforce the stability of the timber. But in time, if we fail to 
to keep checking on those weak spots, any reinforcements we might have used won't last forever and the chair will break. Now, Peter's weak spot was not the same as Judas' weak spot. Judas' sin and betrayal grew from his greed. Judas loved money more than he loved Jesus, and the cross brought this to a head. Judas had a spirit of unbelief, and this had eternal consequences. But Peter's denial of Jesus came from a weak spot caused by fear under pressure. But it was temporary. We know this because remember when Jesus said that although he will die, although the disciples will scatter, and although Peter will disown him, he would gather with them again in Galilee. When the women found the empty tomb after Jesus' death and resurrection, they too are told, but go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Jesus' loyalty to Peter and the disciples was not shaken. Everything he had previously told them would happen, did. And we know that Jesus also prays for Peter, that he will have faith. Peter failed the loyalty test. He denied knowing Jesus and he grieved his failure. He grieved his weakness and he grieved his cowardice. After Peter declares that he doesn't know the man they were talking about, he heard the sound of the rooster's crow. Jesus turns and looks at him directly in the eyes. This sound and this gaze triggers his memory to recall the words that were spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. When Peter realized that his loyalty was trumped by his fear, he broke down and he wept. But that's not the end for Peter because we know that he goes on and he proclaims the name of Jesus and shares the gospel with so many, even when faced with prison. He remains loyal to his mission after grieving his mistake. And you can read about that in the first couple of chapters of Acts. So what can we learn? I think the first thing that we can take away is that we all have weak spots. And those weak spots bend and sometimes they break under pressure. Our best intentions don't always line up with our actions. In what areas of your life are you missing signs? For some of us, those areas or those things in our lives will be concrete, but it's the things that aren't so concrete that worry me the most. They tend to trap us 
ensnare us like prey and cause us to stumble. And they reveal the position of our hearts. For Peter, it was fear and a sense that he knew better. Now today, in our language, we might call those things anxiety and ego. For us, maybe it's how we spend our time and energy trying to fit everything in for our friends, for our kids, for our families. Or maybe we're searching for things that make us feel valued and justified. I don't know what those things are in your life, but I do know that there will be warning signs. You may experience grief like Peter did when you take steps away from Jesus. You may experience that deep sense that what you're doing or how you've acted isn't right. Listen to those signs. I hope that you have wise Christian friends who at times might question the choices that you're making. Those two are warning signs. Now this is a risky move, but have you considered checking in with one of those friends, asking them about the things that you're doing or the way that you're treating others? Secondly, I think we can learn to hand over our areas of weakness to the Lord rather than relying on our own strength. When we're faced with the same problems and the same temptations in our lives over and over, a pattern has formed. It's not often that we take giant steps into those areas. Usually, we start with small baby steps. And as we test out the consequences and how those steps make us feel, we take bigger and more steps until we've crossed the line and our loyalty to Jesus is compromised. Peter didn't pick up on any of the warning signs in his life. Even when Jesus rebukes him and argues with him, Peter still thinks that he can do everything in his own strength. There are things in our lives that we're unable to give up and hand over because we think we know better. Or more dangerously, because we think those things don't affect us. But Jesus knows better than we could ever imagine And once we acknowledge those vulnerabilities, we have an advocate who we can ask to help us when we are weak and tempted. Paul directs us in 1 Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. This is so we can remain consciously aligned with Christ. Peter didn't ask for Jesus' help. In fact, he didn't ask for anybody's help. He spent all of his time and his energy protesting that he would indeed remain loyal. But loyalty comes at a cost. Jesus proved his loyalty through his death on the cross. And God proved his love 
by offering us redemption when Jesus rose again and defeated that death. This Lent, as we head towards Easter, we can be assured that the cross reveals the greatest picture of loyalty and of love. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us to be your people and that you are our God. Lord, help us in our weakness to rely on your strength. Help us, Lord, to see those warning signs and to acknowledge them. Help us to seek through your Holy Spirit an advocate that we can hand those things over to and pray that you might heal us. Lord, I thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. I thank you that you gave your one and only son so that we may have eternal life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.